to 13th Destiny Podcast. I am your host today, and um, we said that we would have a, a big uh, surprise as a guest speaker, but I first want you to listen to this music that I'm going to play for you, and it's going to be, you can see if you could guess from this music. Ready, set. It just will take a cup. It's, it's a wonderful song. It'll just take a couple minutes. Ready, set, go. Down in South Central Kentucky is a man. Folks call him lucky at fighting off coyotes with his hands. A guy. Living out a dream on the side of extreme a life others don't understand. James Magnum, he's not your regular Joe. James Magnum, he's always on the go. He'll shoot you with his camera. You can run, but you can't hide. James Magnum. Private eye. Athena, his partner in crime. She waits out in the drive for another mission to unfold. Models and caliber films are just another side of him. There's more to his story than can be told. James Magnum. He's not your regular Joe. James Magnum, he's always on the go. He'll shoot you with his camera. You can't run, but you can't hide. James Magnum, private eye. Dashing across the country, he may show up at your door. Seeking adventure. A life that's never born. James Magnum, he's not your regular Joe. James Magnum, he's always on the go. He'll shoot you with his camera. You can run, but you can't hide. James Magnum, private eye. James Magnum, he's not your regular Joe. James Magnum, he's always on the go. He'll shoot you with his camera. You can run, but you can't hide. James Magnum, private eye. South Central Kentucky is a man. Folks call him lucky at fighting off coyotes with his hands. All right. Well. May I introduce James Magnum as our guest. Hi. (laughs) Hello, Danielle, and good to be the guest with you taking control of the center chair, as I call it today, (laughs) and being the host. Uh, It's a little different. Uh, We... um, 
So I get to be the guest today. I uh, This is kind of a last minute thing, but I appreciate you uh, deciding that we were going to do me as the guest. That's pretty cool. Okay, <laughs> let's go from there. <laughs> That that song. Tell me, tell me about it. What what happened? How did you okay. get the song? Okay. Well, written by and and yeah. Uh, written and uh, performed by a gentleman by the name of Rick Ryman. Rick Ryman is a entertainer out here. Uh, he does a lot of entertainment here in Kentucky and Tennessee in this area. He does some other places too. Uh, he's been around for a little while. Um, I met him several years ago when I shot some photos for him for a cover uh, when his original manager and I had become friends. And uh, today, um, in the last uh, in the last year, we've had some talks and. Uh, it was just kind of a cute little thing, a story that was going around about me on the Coyote part uh, that had happened. And uh, I'd had a previous song and limited release from the band Side Pony out of Nashville. But um, Rick said, you know, I think we need to do one and add this in. And, and I, I didn't think any more of it. And then Rick came to me and sent me a rough cut of it. And then um, the cut that you just heard there is the studio add-in uh, by a man uh, named Jerry uh, Webb uh, with Rick down in Nashville in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, it just it just has stuck. And a lot of people have got a kick out of it. Uh, it's on limited release right now to uh, friends and others. And uh, hopefully in the next week, or so we should be able to get it out to Spotify and other locations. I'm working to get that done. But Rick, uh, Rick just had a lot of fun with that. Um, I haven't been an official private eye for several years now, but uh, it's kind of what everybody remembers me how I started. And uh, so he added that in and he added in a lot of the new stuff. And of course, the coyote story is just makes it fun. <laughs> I thought it was, it was really, it's, you know, it has a catchy tune. And um, it was, yeah, I think it's really, really cute. It is cute, yeah. But, um, yeah, people, um, maybe uh, you could put the song underneath uh, somehow, you know, in the comment section or somehow, you know. Yes, the, I'm going to see. have a link to it. I'm going to see if we can do that. Uh, I'm not sure if I can do that, but I think I might be able to. But it, also the fact that it's on the podcast today, that's pretty cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get it out to everybody where you can where you can download it. And uh, and uh, it will be – and we're going to try to get it out for free for everybody uh, because uh, I've been given permission to use the song and put it out for everybody. And it's kind of – I mean, it's going to promote Rick, obviously, because a lot of people don't know who Rick is uh, except out in this area or people who've ever seen him in live performance. Uh, and, but certainly um, – some other stuff I've done for other people that have done things about me. I will certainly promote for him uh, that song. Uh, obviously, it's my song. It's about me. But uh, obviously, I always try to help the people who help me. It's just something I always try to do. Well, that's a wonderful thing to have done is someone write a song. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I, I laughed at it with the coyote and all that. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, everyone has gotten a kick out of the coyote thing. Uh, uh, I think I saw a comment last night. I can't remember. A friend of mine named Brent Phelps. Uh, I believe he said something to the effect of uh, something that was cool as hell. And I was kind of cracking up laughing because uh, he's not known for saying stuff like that. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of guess it's really, caught some, it's really catching on here, huh? I guess so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've had fun with it. It's a, it's a fun song, obviously. And it's, uh, it's a little yeah. bit yeah, it's a little bit more than some of the uh, – it goes with uh, – you know the more upside of my life and stuff and i like that so yeah yeah it's really good congratulations there thank you um so as of interviewing you like the people don't know 
who you are, who are you, what's your name, where'd you, where, you know, where'd you grow up? Yeah, okay. All that kind of stuff. Right, okay. Well, I grew up uh, here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I was born on June 14, 1968 at the old... Uh County Hospital that was up on Hospital Hill then that's what it was called then uh, but um and uh, I lived here until about 19 I did a brief uh, service in the um, uh, I did reserve injury program the last uh, two years of my high school and uh, went to military service but uh, was going to be part time in the National Guard but unfortunately- wait 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 let's go back to let's go back to being an Eagle Scout. Oh yeah, I uh, did become an Eagle Scout in '86, and uh, that was uh, that was one of my big accomplishments. And that was followed by uh, being okay. We'll follow that real quick. Uh, that was followed by being the youngest uh, licensed private investigator in the United States uh, at that time. I started training when I was uh, 17 in high school. Was still in high school uh, with my birthday and everything, uh, turning 18. And uh, and a funny story about how the Magnum came. Uh, so Magnum PI was extremely popular back then, and uh, there was a small newspaper article, a school newspaper article, uh, that was talking about people going into the military and various things they were going to. And while part of my part was in that article was uh, part time in the military and also uh, being a private investigator that I already got the license and that I would be doing PI work uh, part-time when I wasn't doing that. So uh, that's kind of how that all started. And uh, I was going down the hall one day after this article came out and these guys come down the hall. And at first it kind of bothered me because it was like, oh my goodness. You know, it's one of those things where you go back and you look at it. It's like, uh, you know, and then uh, they're yelling, hey, Magnum, hey, Magnum. And at first, you know, it's one of those things, you know, where they're teasing you and stuff because of the whole, you know. And then I go, you know what, you know, that's actually not a bad nickname compared to something some people call you. So um, I started incorporating that early on, you know, after they started calling me. And then they kind of caught on because other people started calling me that too. Um, and um, then I would leave for uh, like a brief time, uh, but I got discharged after I went in on active duty uh, due to um, what's called stress-induced asthma and uh, wasping. So these two things combined uh, were a, a difficult situation about trying to stay in the military uh, and even even the guard. So um I was uh, discharged, and uh, I came back here. Why did you go in the military? Well, my family had military background. My dad had been in the Air Force. My sister had been in the Army. A lot of uncles had been in the Air Force, Army, various things. So, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it was just, I guess it was just one of those things where I wanted to do. I wanted to go in the military service. And, uh, so you didn't want to be a private eye? No, I didn't. I was. I was. I mean, I already was private eye, so it didn't really matter on that because I already. Right. Did you work as one? Yes. Yes, I've worked as one. Although, although let's let's talk about at eighteen in high school not having the respect that I would get later. Um, obviously, I got a lot of really weird things. You know, and sometimes I'd get I'd get other students coming to me wanting me to find stuff for them things. You know, but I did also some things uh, for people, and uh, which I always joked when. Uh, the pet detective movie came out because I was like, oh, yeah, I did some private eye work early on for that uh, <laughs> kind of stuff, looking for people's pets. Uh, but, but that's the kind of thing that, as a young private investigator, you're not getting 
uh, that respect. And a lot of people don't really, they, they find it hard to believe that you have that license. But I had a the business license here in Bowling Green. Um, it was called Bluegrass Investigations. That's what it was. And uh, that was the company that I owned at eight. I mean, I owned this company at 18. I owned this company at 18. Uh, but I didn't get a lot of really good cases. I didn't get a lot because of my age and people just not giving me the respect that I would gain later. Now, I say that not to be mean or anything. It's just I understand now being older that it's very hard for someone to, like, understand that you're an 18-year-old private investigator. It's almost unheard of, you know, and at that time it was extremely unheard of. Uh, as far as I know, I was I was the first. I don't think, I mean, I think there might be some in law enforcement explorers and things like that now with like the, like we talk, go back to the Boy Scouts and stuff. Uh, there may be some of that. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But I do know at that time I was the only one. And I was the youngest. Yeah, but all the better, people wouldn't suspect you. Do what now? People wouldn't suspect you. No. Well, that's, like, and, and that was yeah, the... That would be all the better, you know, if you're, you're that young to go yeah. um, on cases and snap pictures and do whatever because no one would be, like, suspecting a young kid. Right, and and they still wasn't suspecting me, even as um, I would, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. They still weren't suspecting me, even uh, as I moved on and did security consultant work um, a few years later and also incorporated some investigations into the security consultant firm, but I was in Georgia. Um, so what happens here? Um, I returned from the military, and of course, uh, I took a job. I took a I took a job that my uh, scoutmaster, former scoutmaster at that time, because I'd been an assistant scoutmaster the last year. Also, something else I had done that before I left, and um, he uh, got me a job of another uh, former Eagle Scout. Well, I can't borrow Eagle Scout. They're always Eagle Scout. So anyway, but that's what I'm saying. Another former member of the troop. Uh, excuse me. And um, he was managing Shoney's at that time. And so uh, this was the only job I could get as far as outside of my own stuff when I came back. But I really still wasn't getting anything. And, of course, now I've kind of had a failure is what we'll call it. And uh, But I didn't know how my life was going to play out. So uh, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs in my life. Um, and uh, so three weeks into this, three weeks into this, I had uh, among – one of my many car crashes, I crashed a, I crashed the truck that I was in uh, at about, I don't know, I want to say about probably 50, 60 miles an hour in a zone that today is like 45 mile zone there. And they have a lot of barriers and stuff there. At that time, they didn't. The city has grown a whole lot. And I ended up uh, hitting a car in the rear end. So I ended up totaling this vehicle going off, off of, and then it went, because I tried to turn, not hit it when the brakes went out. And I tried not to hit it, mm -hmm. and I still hit and I hit it and knocked a bunch into a bunch of others, and still went over into the field and everything. Uh, minor. Is that your fault? Uh, yeah, it was, I was at fault. Yeah, even though the brakes, I was still at fault because rear end collisions here is uh, automatic. Yes. So, um, right. So, uh, so it's automatic. Um, and at this point, uh, I ended up uh, getting taken back to. Uh, my home eventually, I eventually had to walk uh, six miles to go to a payphone, call my parents a couple days later and tell them uh, in Georgia that all this had happened. I was literally back from the military, uh, staying in the house, where I was doing, I was staying in the house that we still owned, uh, but I was laying under a sleeping bag, nothing in the house but me in this. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was kind of a bad, it was kind of a bad situation, and this was in like... Uh, 
Uh, this was like in, uh, excuse me, I think this was in July. Yeah, this was in July of 87 into August, uh, early August when this happened. And, of course, you're talking pretty hot here um, and even hotter in Georgia. So uh, I went to uh, I went to them and told them what was going on. And I said, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to have to come to Georgia for a while. I said, everything's gone, gone sour here. And I said, you know, well, so they came and got me. And uh, this was one of the down times of my life, which I talked about this uh, also on a, another podcast that's coming up on uh, Mindful Mutiny. So a lot of this is going to get crossed over with uh, the stuff so that we're doing today. So uh, I. Uh, so where does the youngest president CEO of Security Consultant of that, that we're going to get to? We're going to get to that. We're going to get. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay, so this was right before that. So yeah. What we have is you at eighteen. You become a private eye, then you go into the military. Yeah, and at nineteen, at nineteen, not approved because of asthma. Well, I was there. I was. Now you're at home. Right, I was there for a few weeks, and uh, I, I had a couple blackout sessions, and they were doing tests on me and various things, and they finally figured out that. And then they also did the was, and they're like between the two of them, that was just double jeopardy on me as far as staying in the military. The weird thing about that is, and and I always talk about this. The weird thing about that was, though, when I came back, I really have never had a. Uh, I've, I've had some minor things with the asthma, but one of the things that my scoutmaster, former scoutmaster, had told me to do, he'd had uh, the inhaler, and he told me, and they'd give it to the military, and they'd also give me, and he, and he was a doctor, but he was a doctor chiropractor, and at first I didn't take this, you know, and he looked at me and he said, well, if you use these things, you're going to become addicted to these, and I'm like, what do you mean? He said, throw them away. And I was like, what? <laughs> they told me not to. He said, throw them away. I am so glad that he told me to throw them away because uh, the worst thing I've been able to control with Benadryl pretty much for the most part, um, I've never had to go to, uh, I have swollen up, I've never had to go to the hospital over it. Uh, uh, Benadryl was just in, you know, taking it in most, just a short period. And the asthma never gave me a serious issue uh, because I did not use the inhalers and I never have since I left. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do. I get tight sometimes every once in a while. Yeah, but so, I, yeah. Yeah, so you're you're sleepy, but where I find you left off is that you were sleeping on the ground. On the on the uh, on the floor of the house that I grew up in. Nothing in the house but me, the sleeping bag, no air, no nothing. I mean, I. Where's your parents? My parents were in Georgia at the time. They'd already moved to Georgia. Uh, but they still, we still own the house. Oh, they moved to Georgia. Yeah, where I will, oh, well, I will eventually, okay. well, I will eventually end up shortly. So at night, oh. so at, so at nineteen, I've turned. Now remember, my birthday's in June. I went, I uh, went to uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, at June eighth, and then I uh, turned, um, I turned nineteen. So I'll, I'll be nineteen at this point. So when I came back, I was nineteen, and. Uh, then I would be 19 when I moved to Georgia. Well, Georgia's got some different laws, different things. And, of course, I, I didn't look into a lot of stuff. There were some things I could have probably done instead of doing what I did. But, uh, you know, sometimes you listen to your parents and sometimes they're wrong. And I just didn't focus on it because I had too much other stuff going on. 
so being under that stress and not wanting to go under any other stress and go back to what had just happened in the Miller, I moved to Georgia, and uh, the first job that I got, now remember I'd worked at the Shoney's here, first job I got there was at the Shoney's with a uh, guy by the name of Don Tabor was the was the manager there, and Don Tabor will be a part of the things in my life, and still is a part of my life. Uh, his wife is on my Facebook, and he is now a judge in that county. But we'll get to this in a minute, uh, and as we play out parts of my life. So I go there. I've got I've got no job. I've got no vehicle. Uh, luckily, my parents only lived about a mile from this Shoney's, and uh, so what I would end up doing is, for the first seven months that I lived there, I ended up walking back and forth to this job every day to build up the money to buy a vehicle and everything. And this vehicle will also be part of the, the, the stories and stuff uh, as we go along. Um, and, uh, and I've had a lot of vehicle wrecks and stuff, and, we, and that's something that I've survived a lot of things, including deer. But that's kind of trivia stuff. You can find this stuff out about me. It's not that hard. But we'll, we'll give you the general story over how this goes. Well... I cannot work. Uh, I'm not. I'm not realizing that I could work in unarmed security. I'm not realizing things that I know today. I'm not realizing things or working. Uh, you know, I can, and the laws were different there. You had to go through boards and stuff for the PI work. But anyway, I didn't get to learn all that like you can now. Just call something on a computer. You you got to do a lot of groundwork. Well, doing groundwork when you're walking back and forth from a job is kind of hard to do. Well. Lo and behold, however, I will uh, befriend uh, the criminal investigator of uh, the sheriff's department, uh, the son of the, sh of the sheriff at that time, who's now sheriff of Stevens County and still my friend. Um, but we'll get to also that in a minute. So this, so there's a lot of there's a lot of players in this story of how my life played out. So uh, I go and I walk for seven months, and I eventually get the money. And I found, uh, in South Carolina, I found what was a red, a red 1985 Buick Skylark. Okay. So, seven months in. I, I remember those cars. Yeah, very, <laughs> very interesting car. Uh, that, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I go and I tell my mom, I said, let's go to, let's go to South Carolina. We're, and my dad was like, there's no way you're going to get them. And like, I told him, I said, I'm going to get them to pay the taxes across. The, and he was like, you're not going to get that done. They're not going to do it. And then my dad had some doubts with some things with me sometimes. And, and then when I would do them, it was so funny. I was like, he would go, well, I knew you were stubborn enough to do this. I'm like, yeah, it kind of runs in the family. Uh, but anyway, so that's just a joke with me and my, my the yeah. family. But um. I go across there, and uh, so my mom took me over there, and we, uh, we were really talking to them. And I was like, "Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to buy this car today, and this is how much money I have, but uh, I can't pay the taxes and stuff across the line back into Georgia and all that." I said, "I'll, I'll pay you today. I'll give you all this money, but and this is all, this is all cash, by the way. I took this is all cash back in, you know, when this was going on, and uh, and uh, so you're like, well, let me see what I can do." Went in there and I was waiting. I was waiting. It's like man, it's like it felt, felt like it was forever, right? Because you're waiting for them to make a decision. So uh, he talked to a couple people. And they come back out. And he said, "Yep." And he said, uh, "We can do that." Uh, and so the rest is history on that side. I drove the car back, and my dad. That's one of the first times that my dad goes, "I cannot believe you did what you did." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you should learn by now that uh, I'm going to do what you know 
it's not expected. So I'm always just like not in the norm of a lot of things in my life. Uh, when things go wrong, I work them through and eventually come out um, on top. Um, sometimes I get knocked way down, but I come out on top. It's kind of a survival thing with me. Um, so we do that, and uh, and I keep that car for a while. And uh, there's there's three things that happen. There's three very interesting things that happen at 21. So at 21, I managed the stupidest thing I could, and and I and I joke about it. Stupid it was. I have a I had a very bad speeding problem for a long time, which also caused a lot of my accidents. Um, and I'm lucky to be alive because I was just really, really bad about it. So at 21, from the time I turned 21, here are, the, here are some ups and downs. I get three speeding tickets in a row between the two in the state of Georgia. <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. Three speeding tickets, two in the state of Georgia. And the state of Georgia is really bad about some things. I mean, you get to a certain – now it's uh, it's a whole lot worse because it's um, – I think now if I may remember it's, it's like a total criminal offense at this, at this speed of one of them. Uh, whereas uh, in the, in my time, it was like, you know, even that – as long as you weren't uh, extremely reckless, they would just write this and you would drive on the ticket. So – so the so I get one um, and uh, I was like ah oh, good night so no problem paid back uh, I was with um, I guess I part of the story is that I was with uh, a woman that I was with at that time and um, we had started we'd moved in together uh, and I had left I had left the uh, I'd left the Shoney's I was the kitchen manager when I left and on eighty nine and. Uh, we moved in together, and uh, I had started working t uh, security for a security company and was trying to work my way back into security investigations, all that kind of stuff. And so this is my platform here to kind of go to into that um, because at that time you had to take a 40-hour course just to be a security officer. I got that. And uh, the guy that owned the company that I worked for actually was a former evidence officer for the Hall County Sheriff's Department in Hall County. And uh, we lived in Louisville, which is also in Hall County, which is not Stevens County, the county that my parents lived in. And um, one morning, she uh, and uh, it was so, and, and it wasn't like this like massive argument. Kind of, it was just one of those things where I had this bad tendency. If something went, I would jump in the car, and I would, and especially if I was late, I would speed to work. Bad move, <laughs> bad move, and I admit it's a bad move. And uh, I'm I'm speeding down, you know, the, towards uh, Gainesville. Uh, at that time, I worked for Lakeshore Mall, but I worked for uh, security system, which is out of business. This company's out of business, by the way. Um, and of course, also it's a conflict of interest. The sheriff had an interest in the company then uh, in that county uh, with his former evidence officer, and you can't do that anymore because they passed laws. Those, those are conflicts of interest. Uh, sheriffs uh, being in security companies while they're still active, which is a good thing. Um, so I'm, I am literally flying down this road, not realizing. I'm thinking I'm in the uh, I'm thinking I'm in the uh, higher zone, and I'm in the 55 mile zone, and I'm doing 93 and a 55, and I'm like, and all of a sudden. This uh, sheriff's Mustang gets in behind me, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, well, okay, well, I'm in trouble now. So, so I just kind of laugh about it. Pulled over, he comes up there. Of course, I'm in uniform, and their uniforms and our uniforms are very similar, which is another issue back in those days. And uh, he walks up there, and uh, he goes, "Oh, so you work for my boss, basically?" 
And I'm like, uh, yeah. He said, where are you going? I said, the Lakeshore Mall. I said, uh, going to work? He said, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. I was like, oh, boy. It's 90. It's like, and he goes, when he comes back up here, he writes me the ticket for 93 and the 55. And then he goes, uh, and then George, you had to drive on the ticket at the time. So they take your license. You have to drive on the ticket until you go to court and all this stuff. And this was my third ticket because I'd got one with her, the Bluegrass, uh, with, not Bluegrass, excuse me, with the, um, um, task force in South Carolina on the 4th of July. So this is all going on, right? And I got a pending case against SunTrust Bank Corporation too at this time. So all of this is going upside down and I'm going, yeah, I've got to, I've got to like get this straightened out because it's a mess, right? So I got a bunch of messes going on and uh, I'm like, okay, well, okay. So I go to, uh, I end up going to court on this one. Uh, I've hired an attorney. And this is where I would play out for my next court case where I decided, you know what, I don't know that I need an attorney. I'm getting kind of tired of this when you, uh, you know, you hire one and then you find out you kind of didn't need them. <laughs> you know, a lot of people like to say you're a fool for not having an attorney, but sometimes that's not necessarily true. And uh, I will play that out. So we go to court and uh, I have this, I can't remember her name. I wish I could remember her name because she ended up being in one of my... Uh, introduction to law classes in the next year at Gainesville College that I was doing, uh, and I can't. I wish I could remember her name. I can't. I remember the top of my head. I probably got it. I probably got it somewhere. But she actually turned out to be a very nice judge. She was a, uh, and I wish I wish I could remember her name just because she was very nice. And uh, a lot of people don't get that, you know, in first impression, especially when you're that young and you're dealing with thinking and going, okay, well, here we go. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She comes out and, uh, <laughs> and I still, I, that's just another reason I wish I could remember her name. So she's asking me, and the officer, the deputies didn't show up. They did not show up for. They did not show up for court, which is always a good thing from what I hear. And uh, all she asked me, she said, uh, she said, "Were you speeding that day, Mr. Cook?" And I was like, "Yes, ma'am. I was speeding. I just didn't think I was going that fast." I said, "But." I said, they said it was. So she said, well, I don't think you were. She said, I have a car like that too. And she said, In that, I don't think you were. So she said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm just going to like have you pay the court cost and uh, I'm going to give you a loan. And she said, don't get in any trouble for five years. I was like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. So she lets me plead this, what's called no loan. And uh, just says that she didn't believe I was going that fast and just has me pay the court cost. And I'm like, okay, well, this worked out kind of good. And then on the other hand, the five-year thing about not getting in any Oh, sh <laughs> what? Uh, she was referring to speeding or anything like that. And of course, I'm a right. and of course I'm a bad speeder. Like good night. I'm like, but now I did adjust and I didn't get any speeding tickets for that five years. So, but uh, let's can't. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Let's we can't say I didn't speed anywhere. I just didn't speed in Georgia. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I might speed. I might speed a little bit back here in the hometown. A little bit. Probably see that, but um, so that played out pretty good. And then, of course, I saw her a year later. I got man, I really wish I could remember her name. I really do because uh, she was really nice. And okay, so hey, okay, where does you becoming okay? That's what we're gonna get. That's what we're gonna get to. What we're gonna get to, okay? Okay, okay, okay. okay. now remember. It's all. <laughs> no, it's almost there. It's almost there. It's almost there. So it's almost there. So I've got to play into two incidents that happened before we get to age 22, where I have the security consultant firm. So the final two incidents of 21 are uh, I'm at Lakeshore Mall on patrol, and uh, we'd had a problem with speeders inside of the uh, parking lot, and I was told to stop the hot rodders. Okay. 
Okay, my thought process is stop, you told me to stop the hot riders. How am I supposed to stop them, right? Uh, you know, without getting uh, backup from police, you know, Gainesville PD or whatever. Like, so we had like a little hill in the back uh, near the JC which uh, I would also go to loss prevention in between there uh, before I go be a security consultant. And uh, these two vehicles are are charging down the hill. I turn in and I realize I've got a choice here. These are teenagers. I've got a choice here. I cannot take them head on because I could kill one of them taking them head on. I know this. And I'm like, I've got no backup from police here at this point. There's no, I mean, the radio call was made that we needed help, uh, obviously, that we had a problem out there. Um, but this problem is about to become a whole lot worse for me. My decision, I don't regret my decision one bit, but I was going pretty good lick myself and realizing I could kill these people we hit head on. I'm or myself because I'm not. I've got no seatbelt on. We weren't wearing seatbelts at the time. I turn, thinking, trying to get out of the way of them and get away from them, so I don't hit them and hit a concrete and steel stop sign at probably 30, at least 30 miles an hour, and wow, and like literally hit. I mean, that's what someone said. That I don't know how fast I was going because I really don't remember this part. And I'm going to tell you why we don't remember this part. And this plays out um, part as, as we will go on. And where I'll be told I will never work again in security, a bunch of other stuff. But, and, but that's not true. Um, I hit that. And the, all the last thing I remember is, is we had those old type nightsticks and things on our belt. And it hit so hard, it snapped that, and the nightstick went spinning around inside the cab of the truck, hit me in the side of the head. Uh, there are witnesses to this back in that day in 89 that said that I literally got out and I was uh, like stumbling around like I was drunk. It wasn't I was drunk. I hit, and I when that nightstick spun and hit me in the head is the reason that I was, and then I passed out back into the truck. And uh, the next thing I remember is I'm being woke up by the paramedics. And, of course, all I see is light and this girl. And I'm thinking I'm dead. You know, I'm thinking, like, what is this, like an angel or whatever? Because all I see is all this light around me and this just her face. I don't see the bad. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't know that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dead. And, I, all I, and she goes, no, you're not. <laughs> which is kind of a funny part of the story. Which is a funny part of the story. And then I realize as I'm coming to, I'm going, oh, my God, what the heck? You know, I'm like, oh, and uh, she said, you're, uh, she said, we're getting you an ambulance. She said, uh, you're going to take you to the hospital. So I go to the hospital. I'm laying in the hospital, and I'm like, well, I'm in some serious trouble. First off, I just wrecked a security vehicle. That's great. I'm in a hospital. No one from the company comes to see me, the owner, nobody, lieutenant, my superiors, nobody. Who comes to see me? Now, not the teenagers that I had just had the incident with, but a couple others that I dealt with there that, you know, had kind of, we weren't really, you know, because I stopped doing my job. I'm not really friends with them, but I'm, I'm friendly with them. You know, there's a difference. And uh, they showed up checking to make sure I was okay. And I was like, and I've never forgotten that. And it changed some perspective from things on me. It's like, don't always assume that all these hanging out are all bad because, uh, you know, that's what they're telling you. And uh, it turned out that's not the case. Okay, so following this, I would have to have another court case um, against the company 
because he was saying that there was no way he was going to pay my medical bills, all this stuff. And, of course, we know workman's comp, you have to, regardless of who has that fault. And I didn't want anything but my medical bills. And uh, my lieutenant would do a death position, and he would uh, back me up on everything that happened. And I was surprised that he did because he took a risk on his job to defend me and everything and, and tell the truth. And he told the truth, and I'll never forget that either. And um, so, um, I, but I heard, you'll never work in security again. You'll never work at the PI again. You'll never do this. You'll never do that because you're suing the company. I'm like, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. We'll see how that plays out. Well, at the same time, I'm also suing SunTrust over a issue with my credit thing that they're trying to mess with. They're trying to say that, you know, that I took this money out that I didn't. I had plenty of proof, and I was able to prove it. Um, so I okay. went... So I win these two cases. I win these two cases, and so I beat okay. I beat the security company, and I won that. And then I beat SunTrust at 21 years of age, and the judge because they wouldn't show up for court. I did. I presented my case. The judge ruled after three times. He said I told them to show up this morning. They didn't show up. So this is where this plays out going into the age 22. Okay, so at age at age 22, I started the security consultant firm. It was Cook Security Consultant Agency, and then, of course, we had some investigative stuff with it, too. Uh, even though it wasn't full private eye stuff, uh, even though it kind of says that, you know, on my LinkedIn. But it, it, it's kind of it's kind of a gray area. I did more security consulting than I did investigation stuff. So we'll get to, we'll kind of, but, but I did do some investigations under the disguise of the security consultant agency. But, um. So I had this at 22. I'm the youngest president CEO. And then there's a big event that happens in Tacoa, Georgia at this time. Um, and uh, every media outlet in the book is down in Tacoa, Georgia. Uh, this is going to be a year prior to me also running for office. And uh, what happens at this point is I've got this security consultant, uh, excuse me, I got this security consultant firm. And now I'm the youngest on that. And all these people show up, CNN, you name it, they're down there. You know, every newspaper, everything in the book. And it's all over people saying that yoga is satanic. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah, that's weird. Okay, it's very weird today. They've changed their tune a lot since. But it was a it was a small Christian. It was Ken Center's like kind of a Christian community in a way. Had a Christian college in the area at Tacoa Falls. I kind of got where they were coming from, but they were so far back on some things. And I mean, there are some spiritual things in India too. But they this was just for exercise, and they were blowing it way out of proportion. And I think after the overflow meetings and stuff, I think they realized that. And I think they got a lot of bad press off of it. Now, this is where things are going to start turning around for me. I go to that meeting. I'm there, uh, you know, and I, I see all this, and I go, okay, well, let's, let, something needs to change. Now, I'm not going to run on this. I'm not going to run on this because it's so controversial. Uh, but I go, we need, to, we need to stir something up and change the town a little bit, get some attention that has nothing to do with this. Okay, so city commission off, uh, office is opening. Uh, where I couldn't run for city commissioner. Um, I file, 
I have a press conference is the first thing I have at a bed and breakfast with friends who own the bed and breakfast. And I get all these newspapers all the way to Athens, Georgia, uh, the Anderson Independent Mail over in uh, Anderson, South Carolina, because we're up in the corner here. So we're bordering South Carolina. And then, of course, we're not that far from Athens. We're getting those. And then we're getting some people from Atlanta. I literally on the press conference had people showing up uh, and going, a press conference for city commissioner of Tacoa, Georgia? Never has happened. Never heard of anybody doing this, holding like a regular, like you would see a press conference, like on a bigger type election thing. And I'm 23 years old, getting their attention because everyone on the council was in their 50s and above. And uh, that just... You were young to run, huh? Yeah, so I was the youngest to ever run at that time, the youngest to ever be on the ballot at the time, officially on the ballot. No kind of write-in or anything like that. I was officially on the ballot. So um, this this all plays in, and all the, I just get all kinds of free publicity. Um, and a guy by the name of Lee Bowen, and Lee Bowen and I would eventually become friends. He was a former mayor, and he was running against me. Um, and I and I started my whole campaign out as a decency campaign. I refused to sling any mud. I refused to use anything I might have or not have, whatever, all, you know, all, all the dirty politics. I refused to do it. And he did. He held to it too. He wouldn't do anything against me. He used nothing against me. And we just had a nice campaign. We talked about what we were going to do. Uh, I talked about what I wanted to do, and he talked about what he he wanted to do. That's it. Uh, we did, and but I was getting a lot of free press because of my age. So I spent two hundred and fifty nine dollars. Uh, I believe I don't have. I've got it over here somewhere, but I can't get to it. I believe if I remember that he spent ten thousand dollars to beat me. Uh, I got three hundred and fifty nine votes. He got seven hundred and forty one. I got a bigger bang for the and I got free press, and people knew who I was. In a town of 10,000 people in a city and county combined of 22,500, I am suddenly known outside of both in Tacoa and then outside. Then I did a lot of writing letters to the editor. Okay. It felt really good. But the thing that felt the best, yeah. the thing that felt the best was after losing the election. So I lost the election. And you lost it. You're right. But I was in the courthouse and uh, uh, the clerk said, Hey, Lee wants to talk to you over here at the office over here. And I said, Okay. And at this point, you know, I didn't know what he was going to say to me. And, uh, you know, he said, well, I want to congratulate you first thing. I said, congratulate me. I said, you just beat me. He said, yes, true, as far as the election goes. He said, but you're, he said, you have done a lot of good for the community. You've got a lot of attention here. And he said, here's the best thing. He said, I wish every opponent I ever had was like you, regardless of when to lose. He said, because... It's politics is just going to get worse and worse, he said. But right now, he said right here, he said this is the best election I've ever had. Regardless, even if I'd have lost, if you'd have kept as long as you kept it like this, he said it would have been. And he was just, you know, really feeding me. And I was like, he said, you're, you, he said, you got a, he said, you got a future ahead of you. He said, you being, uh -huh. yeah. So he's 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 really good. So I didn't know, so we kind of became friends, and I ended up working for Don again at, a, at Western Sizzlin, a part-time, uh, and then running the consultant firm. So I was, again, I worked, ended up working for Don uh, a second so time. you didn't want to be, you didn't want to become a politician? Uh, well, I kind of wanted to be, I kind of wanted to be on the local level there, but then again, uh, I, it'll kind of, it'll, I'll try to run again, but there's, there's, a, there's some bad incidents that happened later that prevented me uh, and made me have to stop and come home. To Kentucky, 
so um, we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. So all this is all this is good, and I always say that I won that election by losing. And everyone that I ever say that to, they always say, "What are you talking about? You lost an election, and you say you won." I said, "I did win. I won first off with his friendship, and second off, within six months, he passed everything on my platform except one thing." You know, and we had things that were off my platform that my hometown didn't even have at the time because he was so impressed with me that he knew I was going to, and he passed these things. The only thing he didn't pass was, uh, get passed was a uh, police reserve. That was something I threw in there. A town of 10,000 people, that wasn't going to happen anyway. It was just something I threw in there just to be different and get more attention. I honestly knew from the first press conference, from the amount of people that were showing up and press people were sending things to me, that I was getting the attention, and it was positive attention. It wasn't negative attention. And that was not only good for me, that was also good for the uh, city. I knew this. And uh, so things started to change. And, uh, I, the, you know, the rest of it, I maintained that business up until about the time I left. Um, and uh, then I was involved with some other business things with some people that I shouldn't have been. And I found out the hard way um, that things just didn't quite work out with those What do you days. mean when you shouldn't have been? What, what business were you, did you that you shouldn't have been? Okay, so I had been a comic collector, too, and everything. I was a co-owner with uh, – I had the security cell firm, and then I was a co-owner with uh, another guy. I won't name this guy because I don't want to give any uh, – publicity or anything to his family or anything like that and i don't want to have to listen uh to any uh, everybody in tacoa pretty much knows all of this all, of the, all of the truth of these stories part most of the truth uh, there are some there are some aspects that they didn't know at the time that took time but uh, a lot of statute of limitations is out and various things like that so um one of the things that happened is i, I was so i became the co-owner with this guy and uh we kind of had some ups and downs but they weren't all that bad at first um and then, um, then in late, uh, in I guess middle of 1994, um, there have been some attempts on my life. There have been some death threats. Uh, this one is going to maybe play into the other stuff, but we don't know for sure. Uh, my dad and I never really knew for sure later on whether or not, as uh, we kind of did some investigation, basically me. Uh, hey, Magnum. Magnum. Yeah. Wait right there. Before we get into your death threats (laughs) and all that that's coming next, what I'd like to do is I think I'm going to split this podcast into two. Okay. And we're going to have part two next week. Okay. Okay. Have we been on that long? Would you be able able to uh, come back and, and do that next week? Well, yeah, we can do the rest of it next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess, I guess I forget, I forget. We're only a halfway, we're not even halfway through. Okay. And, uh, that, that, I think that would be a good thing to do. Okay, so you, you... You don't mind coming back next week, right? No, I don't mind doing next week, we, and that'll give me more time to get another guest on for the regular shows. Yeah, that, that's not a problem. So, yeah, so, um... Yeah, because we're going to get into the a lot more juicy stuff next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. About the death threats and about your modeling agency. Right. And yeah. The book. The book, the books, the, the books, the so- other songs, all that stuff, pending stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. There was, a, there was a lot more to the story than can be told, as Rick said in his song. 
And I think that's a, I think that's a key. I, th- I think that's a key thing in his song that he did say. There's a lot more in his story than can be told. It's not like it can be told in just one or two books or a couple of songs. Uh, I have lived such an incredible up and down life for so long. Uh, yeah, definitely gonna have to do too. I never thought about how much material was actually there because I'm not used to being interviewed that much myself because I quit doing interviews a long time ago. And uh, I will say that when I was on Mindful, uh, which will come out in April, uh, he had made the comment to me afterwards that, you know, there is a lot to your story. And, uh, but, you know, he kind of condensed it down a little bit, but he got some juice. But yeah, you're getting a lot of stuff. You're getting a lot of details. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. It's pretty detailed. And uh, yeah, because I, I like to be able to, you know, we're coming up on an hour here soon, and I'd like to be able to, um, have another hour to be able to go over the rest. Cause at this point, you're only like 23. You just finished being 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a lot, you have another half of, you know, four to go. Huh? <laughs> hard, hard to believe that much stuff. Right. Hard, hard to believe that much stuff just happened from 18 to 23. And we ain't even, and I'm going on 56 and we, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg as some people say. Right. So everybody <laughs> stay tuned for, for next week. Everybody stay tuned for next week. Alrighty. You want to close it out? Yeah. Or you want me to because I'm supposed to be the host. Yeah, you're the host today, so go ahead and close it out. And, I, and uh, I'll make sure the music does too, uh, tune in. I've seen you do that. <laughs> oh, Go ahead. Are you close it out, okay? Thank you. Oh, you want me to close it out? <laughs> Well, obviously, this was a little different today, um, and I will come back and let Danielle finish interviewing me for the rest of it. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, I Like I said, I, I did grant a, another interview recently, and I don't do a lot of interviews because I'm usually interviewing other people now. Um, but you know what? Thank you for listening, and uh, I have there's a lot of people out there who know there's a lot of juicy details to the other side of my story. So uh, we'll get to a little bit more of that next week. All right. Thank you for being here on the 13th Destiny Podcast.